0: This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Cavalry Audio. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome back, Murder Chronicles Nation. Uh, ooh, this, ooh, is, <laughs> this is Brandon. I produce the show, and I'm here as always with the lovely and talented Carolyn Sorio. Carolyn, nice to see you. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> How was your week? Nice
0: to see you too. You have a good week? Busy. Busy, busy. Yeah, the kids are off midwinter midwinter break. How's that? So, I, it's just like weird. I knew once I said that to you, you'd be like, <laughs> what the fuck is that?
1: What? It's like... It's called Christmas break.
0: No. There's two of them. That's weird. <laughs> Hi-
1: Hippie Seattle, jeez, you guys with your breaks.
0: You You know it. You know it. When
1: when are you when is school done for the year?
0: I have no idea. I'm just trying to get through midwinter break.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you. it's just cuz my brother lives in Santa Monica and Santa Monica school district is not LAUSD. It's not Los Angeles Unified School District. So their schedules are slightly different, oh, it's, and
0: it's it's not L A U D,
1: L A U S D. So, and they do stuff like like they go back a week later, so they're done a week later or something earlier. So, it's just at the end of the school year, we're always trying to plan a vacation, and and we can't because the schedules are off. And so, um, and then there's a different school district in L A County that goes year round, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they have like yeah. they have something like a midwinter break where they have like three or four like three week breaks every year you know like and but you're just you're just always going to school so anyway um
0: that ain't natural
1: i know how long is your midwinter break it's a week wow yeah wow, so, so, it's it's, like- so they fold president's day into that um, that's that's today carolyn
0: i <laughs> wow you know what <laughs> Look at you. You're so fucking proud of yourself. L-A L A S <laughs> D. L-A-S-D. My kids go to L-A-S-D.
1: So um let's get to uh, let's get to this real quick because my overall uh, feeling
0: mm-hmm. of
1: this episode. Okay, there's yeah. one word. You ready? Uh, relentless. You know what it no. was like? Here's what I here's what I compare it to. Um <laughs> Like I love I love Scorsese as a filmmaker. I love all of his stuff, right? And um mm-hmm. but when I saw The Wolf of Wall Street, which I absolutely loved, I'm like, I don't ever want to see that movie again. It was fantastic, it was genius. The story, this, the performances, everything, but it was so difficult to because it was relentless. Like all of the drug use and all of the arguing and all of the fighting and all of the da 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 da, da. Man, I felt like yeah. I had a hangover when I left the theater. And that's great when some, when a piece of art like affects you that much, right? Um, no, no, no.
0: no, no,
1: no. With this, with this episode, the whole like middle act of this was just one fucking crime after another and a rape and a beating and a murder and gunshots to the fucking face and machetes. And I'm like, holy
0: i know i know and here's the thing it's like i know as i was doing it i was like i can't cut this out because it's like you can't leave out victims and we left out there was stuff left out that he did yeah and it's like i couldn't i kind of thought about okay should i say in the month of july this many but then it's like okay we're cutting them out and then as i was like (laughs) When I was doing it in my studio, it was like dark and midnight and I'm like listening to it and I'm like hearing myself doing the Satan's thing, and I'm just like, oh, oh my I'm going to the, so I'm gonna get to the, I'm going
1: to get, I'm going to get to your acting performances in this episode because you are like <laughs> fucking Daniel Day-Lewis in this. You have so many different characters. You are super committed to like every one of them. I've got some lines written down that you said, shut up, bitch. Like that was great. You dropped your voice. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I'm telling you, mm, chef's kiss. Are you, giving
0: me, are you giving me shit or what? No, it was it
1: was it was it was terrific. It 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 maintained the 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 suspension of my disbelief in this when I hear you like doing doing characters. It was great. It was great. I here,
0: just I, yeah. go, okay.
1: No, so what okay. I was going to say was the the payoff. Okay, because my suffering wasn't in vain. Right through all of that relentless. Murder and and degradation and, and terrible violence, because when I hear Detective Gill at the end say, "I wanted him to die," like yeah. he wanted street justice, right? When those people, when he ran off the bus, when those people yeah. got him, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I was I like, we
0: all did, it.
1: yeah." I think no. We all so hearing did. that way, all right, great. That was that was kind of like the emotional payoff for the for mm-hmm. the for the for the ride of the episode. Hearing someone in law enforcement like kind of wish, wishing for vigil, a little vigilante justice on him. You know, that's how mm-hmm. this fucking maniacs kind of uh, exploits like affected people. But so let's go back to the beginning because something jumped out at me right from the top. Okay. Um, Which we have such a nice library of, of, of shows now leading up to this where I can reference <clears throat> your, your earlier work. And it was one of the detective's, um, and it stuck out at me as, as a bit of uh kind of law enforcement hypocrisy, how they form relationships with the people that they're investigating to the point where, Hey man, I, I really want you at my trial. Right. And the cop's like, yeah, I'll be there. And then he says, but I'm, I'm on the other side, dumbass, whatever. Um, Gil called him Richard. He called him by his first name, mm-hmm. you know, like very casually. And I went, Oh, wow. Okay. Like that just kind of jumped out and made me think of these other, of these other people in law enforcement. So what did you, I mean, did you pick up on that? Like, how did you, what was your. Yeah. And I'm so sorry
0: because I had a cut in there that I wanted to play just for you. It was my, my, our, our dance together, this cut. And it was like, I was like, my producer has such a hard time understanding the duplicity that cops get when they're talking with these guys. And what would you say to that? And he had such a wonderful thing to say. He was like, I look at this as he referenced um, the quarterback, the guy who just retired. What's his name again? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. And he's like, you know what, Tom Brady, he goes out there, he like gets ready and, and he just when he's a football player, he's a football player and he preps up and he's there and he's doing it. But then when he gets done, he's a dad and he's like, you know, he's not Tom Brady, the football player, you know, he's Tom Brady, just the guy. Right. Mm. And he had this really eloquent speech about it. And, and so that's kind of how he sees himself where it's like, this is the job. This Mm. is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so, um, I think that,
1: Mm.
0: you know, you're going to struggle with that because
1: I am, I am I'm I trying to do because I, I'm, yeah go ahead
0: because like I've said many times before I always try to put myself in the position of the person who's being charged with something because you want to be treated fairly and you want to you know shit happens in life and and it's like you know you want it to be fair and when you have somebody that's really good at at playing mind games and especially when you're vulnerable and you're like scared and you want to have a lifeline, you're going to trust that person and it's all bullshit. Yeah. So, you know, I get it. I totally get it. But then I also kind of like that too, because as somebody who interviews people all the time, you are in a mission. You want to get, you want to be authentic and you want to be like, you know, have a good soul about it. You don't want to trick people but you also have a job to do which is to get the information that you need right. to get people to trust you so so I, I feel you know conflicted as well but yeah, here it's really simple like
1: it's just tough for, it's tough to me to think about a cop turning it on and turning it off I guess is what I'm getting at you know um, like Tom Brady why?
0: you do it all the time
1: sure sure I get it but, but my job isn't I don't have the power to arrest people right or like i don't walk around with a gun at my job you know um so i figure like and 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 it's 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 an unfair standard i i admit that right but i don't want yeah. to i don't want to to it's not it's not comforting for me to visualize police officers with the same kind of you know human frailties that i have right i want them to be above that i want them to be better than me quite frankly you know yeah. Um, and and I know time and time and time again, we see it in the media that they're not at all. they're they're exceptionally human, just like the rest of us. Um, but you know, it's still it's still a difficult kind of paradigm to accept um, that they could turn it off like an athlete, you know and because and then if you look at it the other way, like these athletes, they need to turn it off because especially football players, they're paid to to destroy other human beings, okay, <laughs> a lot of money to go out there and run into people as hard as you can. Um, and we're really grateful. I'm really grateful that they don't do that in their, in their regular lives, that they're able to turn that off, you know, and be regular yeah. citizens. But, but uh, that's an interesting point from, from Gil. I really, I really liked Gil after this. I really, uh, I'd really like to meet that guy. Yeah. I
0: mean, I think that we kind of, we hold law enforcement up to, an impossible standard because we do expect them to be better than us yeah we expect them to be full cool and to be heroes basically and a lot of times we find that you know psychos are driven to be police officers because they want that power over people yeah. and they you know they they want they want that and so that's why they seek those positions right
1: Yeah, ego um, monsters yeah
0: well not even that but just like sociopaths like look at the hillside strangler that dude tried to be a police officer I think Gary Ridgway tried to be a police you know there's a lot of serial killers I think that have proven that they want to be police officers so they can have that power people right Uh, especially vulnerable people and um, my husband and I were watching it totally escapes me right now but it's one of the Taylor Sheridan movies um or shows that that are that's on right now the guy got crushed underneath the snowplow is like one of the main characters i can't you know that that actor that that recently got jeremy Renner.
1: wind river the movie's wind river
0: it's not wind river it's a series and it's about uh mayor of the east uh, and
1: mayor yeah yeah i forget yeah yeah, yeah. i didn't know that was a taylor sheridan show okay
0: Right, so we're watching that right now. We've watched the first and second season and the writing is just amazing. The second season isn't as good as the first one, but in my opinion, but the brother of this guy is like, a cop and he's like, wants to be a good guy. And he's now kind of like on the, you know, he's having problems, he's drinking, you know, he's, he's witnessed a shooting he's been a part of it. And it's like, I just looked at my husband. I'm like, you know what? We really don't like them when they're, when they're fucked up. We want them to be heroes. We want them to be, you know, it's hard to watch them go on that trajectory of like not being what we want them to be and being broken on top of it. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard, yeah. it's weird. So, yes. so it's kind of an impossible situation when you're, when you're in that role of being a quote unquote hero, Um, you know, we don't want them broken. Right. It doesn't.
1: Gil did it. Gil lived up to the highest standard of, of police work in my opinion, you oh, know,
0: absolutely. And he
1: could hear him uh, and we'll get to a point specifically about that in a minute, but until then um, I, I was just fascinated by so many things in this episode, the, the the distinction between an organized and a disorganized serial killer was, was remarkable. Okay. And how, how insanely difficult it must be to track down a disorganized serial killer. And then more than that, one who's both, right. That was Ramirez. He had aspects of both organization and disorganization in, in terms of his, his MOs. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and how and hearing Gil discuss it, right? Where he, where where Gil was like, he'd use different caliber weapons. He would go outside of his of like there there was no uh, order to the victims, right? He would use a knife from the house. Sometimes he would bring his own. Sometimes he'd strangle him with his hand. Sometimes he'd use a fucking electrical cord, whatever. That must have been so just to the point where. There was like a point break moment, right? When Angelo Pappas knew that they were surfers and no one fucking believed him in the office, right? Gil was like, these are all connected. It's all the same person and no one believed him. Right? Yeah, it was it was
0: I know. He was so good about it, too. He yeah. was so good about it. I can't imagine that was actually real. That was the one time where I was like, I don't know, Gil. You know, I mean, how many times has that happened to you where it's like, you know, you're just totally like people underestimate your ass and you're just like, wait until I'm going to show you. Yep. And yep. he totally did. And he did. But and he kept
1: us cool. He wasn't, he wasn't throwing it in people's faces. He was just, it was about, It was. mom went to get Matilda. It was just about justice for him. Like that was it. You know, it was just about getting it done. You yeah. know, there was this great line in, uh, in a few good men, right. Where, uh, where the bad guy, where Jack Nicholson's like, um, I don't want money and I don't want medals. You know, that's. He just wants to do his job, right? And that's how I thats how I pictured Gil. You know, the, the good parts of that character from the movie, not all the bad parts. But, but like he wasn't parading around and peacocking and saying, fuck yeah, bitches, look what I did. No, he caught him. <laughs> yeah. And he fucking put him away. <laughs> yeah. and that not was like it.
0: what we would do. I totally would.
1: Not like would. what we would do. I'd still be doing <laughs> it. I'd
0: still be <laughs> totally doing it. I do. would
1: <laughs> I'd be booking speaking engagements to saying. like two people, yeah i know i know but so the first two the, the first two incidents that you described in this uh were incredible to me i mean all of them were but the first two the woman who put up her hand and the and the, the keys saved her life right that was that was insane and then the second one i know right the the road rage i'll tell you man don't get out of your fucking car right there are maniacs out there she goes well i'm going to follow second. him
0: don't get out of your car. Like take off and run him over.
1: Just leave you know or, or, or drive know. to a, uh, know. drive to a police station. There was one you night. Know what? Go ahead.
0: I'm really, really, I have to be careful with this because I get a you little road rage. Bit, no, I don't mm. get road rage, but I don't back down. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like if somebody's like, is someone's going to try to like cut me off or something, like I'm not going to like let it happen.
1: Oh yeah. I get that way too. I scream a lot in my car, but I'm not like, I'm not going to chase someone down. I'm not going to like, no, get no, out no, of, no, no, no. Right, I get never, out of the car. No, I'm doing, no, yeah. no, no,
0: no, no, no. I would never do that. I'm saying that I could do something that could make somebody want to do that to me. Mm. I would never do that to someone else. I'm just yeah. saying like, Veronica, you story of like, Hey, why are you following me? Right. Like, you know, I mean, it's relatable because you really don't know what you're doing and depending on what the situation is, she obviously didn't perceive, she had no idea what she was dealing with. Right. And she's just not. not right. Right. So but that's the lesson
1: there is Carolyn, that you never know what you're dealing with. It could always be someone like that. I know. You know? Yeah. I know.
0: And I know. That's and that's what's scary. I know. And that's why, it's not worth it. You know, it's not worth doing that. So what was your story? I could tell you had a juicy no, one. No, just, a, just
1: a, like- a silly little thing. Like this was before my wife and I were even married. We were um, coming home from somewhere. We we're in Hollywood. I'm driving North on Fairfax, heading towards Sunset Boulevard. And she and I were in some argument. It was middle of summer. My windows were down. Okay. And, and there was a car, a big tow truck in front of us. Okay. Not Mm -hmm. towing anything, just like a tow truck. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, he just does a a U-turn, like right in the middle of Fairfax. Like super dangerous, tires squealing, right? And I'm in the middle of an argument with my wife and my window's down. And I just yell out the window, you fucking moron. Like really loud, okay? And then keep going. And then I look in my rearview mirror and he's doing the same U-turn and coming after me.
0: I know, that's what I'm saying. Like
1: hardcore, like will run me off the road. Okay. And yeah, I pull up with a
0: shotgun. Oh my
1: gosh. And my wife is screaming at me. And I'm like, I know I fucked up. I'm just trying to save our lives. And I just, and I, and I haul ass down Sunset Boulevard and I go right to the Wilcox police station, like right to the police station. I just pull in. And the guy like just goes like super slow, like pat like looking at me. And I'm all scared, like pissing in my pants. Right. <laughs> and I got my wife going, my future wife going, You stupid son of a bitch, you're trying to get us <laughs> fucking killed. Da-da-da. I'm like, I don't <laughs> know not fucked up so about this story. You know what saves this for me? <laughs>
0: it's that when you're in it with your partner and you're oh. totally on the same level and you're just not trying to be Mr. Cool Guy, you're like, I fucked up. I'm totally sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay, just make this go away. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm sorry, guy. I'm sorry. I'm oh,
1: sorry. it was so bad. No. She married me anyway. She married me anyway. It's I know. Over. I know, because yeah.
0: that sounds like something my husband and I would do too, as well. Yeah. Like, he would be doing something and I would just be, and it's how, you know, how are you going to handle this together? But, you know, it's creepy is when you're a woman and you have someone following you like this. And this yeah. has happened to me, and I'm not going to say many times, but but it's happened and it's really scary. Like when I used to, before I started doing the True Crime podcast, <clears throat> I was doing the 5 a.m. hosting of the Seattle's Morning News. And I had to be there at like 4 a.m. So mm. I had to leave my house at like 3.30 and it was really scary to be you're the only one on the road right yeah, if yeah. you break down you know you're like i didn't even like to have gas i mean i wouldn't even gas up like i'd have to do that make sure that i had it the night before Yeah. because you don't really think about it you don't yeah. think about it until you're the only one on the road and one time i was driving there and this guy was following me <clears throat> and it was really scary because then you have to get out of your car and go into the station. And you're like totally vulnerable. And it just is like, it is not a way that I can tell you that, you know, it it's what do you really tell your like, kids?
1: What do you tell your kids?
0: What do you mean? What do I tell my kids?
1: Like if you're driving and something like that happens, do you say like pull into a gas station and run inside, ask for help. Do you say go to a police station? Do you say go to a, a, a crowded area and say, Hey, this guy's following me. I need help. Like what do you, what do you tell them?
0: Um, well, I mean, depending on what the situation is, but I always tell my kids to like, you know, trust your gut and get out of the situation, yeah. totally do all of the above, whatever you do, right. don't, you know, right. get into a crowded situation and, um, you know, get in front of people. Right. So, um, exactly. but, exactly. you know, I mean, it it's, it is terrifying and that's what, you know, with Veronica, you, you know, that. Is like so scary. There's nothing that she could have done, and and it just is like he wanted to kill her, and he wanted to see the fear in her eyes, you know. Yeah. Period. With all of his victims,
1: right, right. So speaking of all of his victims, um, the random nature of the houses he chose was was really terrifying. Okay, uh, I mean he had a couple of old disabled women in a row, a stroke victim wheelchair bound, elderly. I, I, know. I mean, just, I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. and then I know. the younger couple were able to fight him off, which was interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, which I like to hear. And then, uh, and I'm, and I'm being serious now you're going to laugh, but I'm being serious. Your portrayal of these characters enhanced the storytelling. Okay. At first, I swear
0: to God, if you're, if you're I'm not. With sw- me, I'm going to be so mad at you.
1: I'm not. I am not. I'm being very okay, serious. Okay, because okay. At first, I was okay, like, oh, well, knowing
0: you, knowing you, you could can-
1: like, wind me up no. and make me feel really good. At first, I was like, wow, she's showing some balls with some range here, going from a female victim to the voice of Ramirez himself, mm-hmm. right? All the way up to mm-hmm. Bill Doy mm-hmm. with his calling for help. I went, she's yeah. fucking getting after this. Like, it yeah. was really. The dedication, because I'm telling you, you can smell half-assedness from a mile away, right? Mm -hmm. And there was nothing half-assed about the performances. You were completely committed. Bravo. Um, Thank you. And I think the thing that I'm happiest about with this episode is that, again, going back to, you know, our rich kind of fertile ground of past episodes to draw on, I have a name for uh, something that has been bothering me. It's called... uh, linkage blindness like that's the term Mm -hmm. for something that that i that has made me made me crazy about you know interagency lack of interagency communication and to put a name to it helps Mm -hmm. called linkage blindness and and yeah so i like that and i liked how he described it because it's exactly what we were talking about because he got he got kind of fucked from these monterey park cops about with, with the doy case right um yeah the cops froze him out Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and and for what yeah. reason? Because what they didn't believe him, or no, this is our case. They got to piss on it, like because it's, it's we're dudes and we're cops and we can fucking do it and fuck you, and and it just slowed everything down.
0: Totally, I think that that's exactly what happened, and I it was just kind of like, you know, it, it's. It, incarnate kind of what we've talked about in the past, that scene right there about he's like, hey, you know, I'm not ta-. and and they're threatened by that. Yeah. And it's just human nature. Right. And And we think that they shouldn't be because it's like so much at stake and how we want them to be better than us. We want these cops to be better than us and they should be. And it's like, you know, hey, you're not going to. It's like somebody trying to take your screenplay or something or like, right. hey, let me just see it. Like, I mean, it's like I'm trying to relate it to kind of what, you know, it's like, it's a human nature type thing. We'll be back after a quick break.
1: Right. And I hear you. And, and, and so I, I, I really try, when I'm this pissed off about something, I try to see the other side of it, right. To see what I'm <laughs> missing. Cause I have a lot of blind spots. Cause I'm a fucking asshole sometimes, but with this, what I have to think of is how many times there is no connection, right? How many times it's just extra work and extra paperwork that never pans out into anything, right? And so for the one case out of 10,000 where it is, you're not expecting it. You know what I mean? So I know I'm kind of forgiving these other cops for their their douchebaggery, for freezing out a good cop who thinks there might be a connection. Because really, how often is it connected to like a once in a generation serial killer hardly ever so i get yeah. it i get it but 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 and and when it's a situation like this it's highlighted in the negative okay and so i don't think it's super fair of me to have been upset as i've been about it uh over these last few months of episodes but um because i get it I get it because it's, it's, it's a, it's a rarity that, that there's a, a, that there's a connection like that, but I would.
0: But I mean, but even on that, but even on when it comes down to not the, the this huge case, right? right. Just the basic cases that we've worked on where it's like, why can't you just talk to each other? Yeah. It's, it just comes down to human beings and turf wars and why we don't play well with others. Right. And, and it's like, it's just a human nature thing. Unfortunately, the stakes are so high when it comes to victims and their loved ones and the killers. And it's like, you want them to be like rise to the occasion and and open up their case files. And for whatever reason, it still is happening today. You know, even though this happened in the mid eighties, you know, it clearly still happens and like to see that it, that it wouldn't.
1: So as I was listening to this and comparing it to you know, like the werewolf butcher, right? Or the torso killer or whatever, right? Um, I think this guy, Ramirez, is the most just completely fucking disturbed killer that you've profiled yet. Would yeah. you agree? Yeah.
0: Yes, because remember last week you were like, okay, what's the Mount Rushmore of serial killers? And I was like- It's I one knew you, name what if- I-, I- no, I knew you wanted me to commit. I can't like, I can't commit because this yeah. guy is like, I knew what was coming. You didn't. And you know. so, yeah. so it's kind of like, absolutely. And, and I do think that he believed in his, like in, in, when we talked about it last week and I said that he was using the devil worshiping and the Satan worshiping to justify his actions, which I still believe that. But I also believe that he was a true believer in that based on victims where it's like, I think with Maria Hernandez, the first, the woman with the keys um, you know, he saw her and didn't kill her because she had been somehow saved by Jesus Christ. And so what do you, I
1: I have that as a question in a second, but so what, what are you asking? Do I think that he actually believed that he was a soldier of Satan?
0: No, I'm saying that I believe that he truly believed.
1: Oh, I do too. I, I
0: believe that he justified it. He, it was like, like hand in glove where it's like, this is what's going to allow me to do what I need to do. And he was drawn to it, but I also think he was a true believer with it.
1: Yeah. Well, getting back, referencing back to, to the devil within again, that was one of the interesting things that, that one of the investigators relate to me when I said, I asked him what his experience was at the town hall meeting in New Jersey, like a week after the murder, right? When it was this 14 year old kid and that he was a devil worshiper in a satanic cult that no one knew existed in town. Right. And the parents were like, how, how did this happen? How did this good kid from a good home be exposed to this type of stuff? He said, and the hardest thing to get these parents to understand was that the kid was exposed to it in church. He was taught it. He was taught about the antichrist. He was taught about the power of Satan. He was taught about all of that. And for some people, mm-hmm. it just takes when that infrastructure of belief is already instilled in them from a very, very, very young age. Sometimes for certain mm-hmm. people, it just takes a little nudge to change allegiances to the other side with a belief just as fervent, right? Just you know, playing for the other and side. You-
0: and, and you just said encapsulated perfectly what I wasn't able to articulate because I don't you know, I, I mean, I I just don't have the background in that that you do. And um, and by the way, for people who are listening, Brandon actually grew up in this town where this horrible crime happened. And yeah. so you should check out the devil within. But I think that that was another thing that with Ramirez, where he was so, you know, he grew up so, Catholic. so Catholic. Yeah, And so he basically, that was real, that ran through him. And that's really hard to overcome if you want to become a devil worshiper. And yet he kind of had the, he had the skeleton, you know. The, right. The, well, that, the
1: that's what, that's what, this, that's what this investigator relate to me, that it's not that as big of a leap as you might think mm-hmm. to go from you, fervent. Right. Go ahead.
0: And you can also see that. And I was thinking about this as I was doing this, the second, uh, the second part um about the devil within and about the the satanic panic where look at the, look at richard ramirez he is like the poster boy for it Absolutely. he was really into like hard rock which i didn't even go into that because i just think that's such bs with like I agreed yeah. you know you
1: uh-huh. know
0: I, I just wasn't even going to go there because it just you know what the music doesn't have anything to do with it right yep. um So, but I I mean, I think that parents saw that during the mid 80s when the satanic panic was, you know, in full force and were like, look at
1: it. Brutal. So, okay. The blue light and the sparks coming from the battered woman's head who was being choked out with an electrical cord. Okay. Right. Was it a a, a fantasy? Was it a, a vision that he had? Was it some hallucination? Or was it like was she being electrocuted because the cord was still plugged in? Were there actual sparks? Like, what? What do you? Was it? I was it? Again,
0: Jesus? I, I think that he, he. I'm not. I, you're not. You're baiting me, and I'm not hooking. Okay, I'm not fucking hooking because I know you. Um. Anyway, I. That's what I was saying. Where he actually. Oh
1: my I'm just <laughs> listening to what you have to say. I don't know why you're lashing out at me.
0: I that's again, another symbol of like, he believed that Jesus was, had somehow. So
1: Jesus Jesus said, not this one, not this one, Satan soldier. Yeah. Okay.
0: Exactly. He believed it. I think that it was just a malfunction within like, cause it had happened before where there was a, you know, he was ripped a cord out of the wall and then he actually used it to electrocute one of his previous victims. I mean, that was like, too confusing to explain in the sure, podcast. Sure. I mean, it was yeah. already yeah. going into the weeds so I just didn't even go there. But um and so yeah, I think that there were sparks flying and he just interpreted that as <gasps> it almost makes it's almost it plays into his like um delusions of grandeur, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, that yeah. that god is up there keeping tabs and like and chooses you know, to I mean, and chooses to make
1: himself known in the, in this realm to certain people, certain people right. can yeah, see Jesus exactly. and Jesus talks to yeah. them. Yeah. But not everybody. Right. Exactly. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. And of course, then he is like the total narcissist and he's like, well, wait a second. Is this going to somehow take away my power with that? I have with Satan to do what I'm wanting to do. And, and of course, then he just figured out a way to continue on. Like, sure. I, you know,
1: maybe Jesus doesn't love my next victim as much as the last one. And I can kill again right? Yeah. I mean, I so. we're, we're I in, so. we're
0: in the mind of a serial killer, but yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's insane. It is, Yeah.
1: So there was one reaction from Gil that I found very, very interesting and surprising. 13 year old daughter. I want my dad back. And he basically was like, no, this is yeah. what I'm doing. And this is, imp- this is what I have to do.
0: Yeah yeah now that you're saying that I'm curious to see how you handle that as a father.
1: Uh I I would drop anything. If if like my kids like crying and says I want my dad back, I, I that's but again, he said they don't understand I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. I hope I never know what that kind of pressure feels like when the fucking bodies are stacking up. And I feel like I'm the only person in the world who knows that they're all connected and that I'm the one responsible for taking this, this, this maniac off the streets because nobody is safe, including my family. Right. So I, I think he got himself to the point where he justified it. It's like, I'm keeping you safe. Cause only mm-hmm. I can keep you safe. Um, mm-hmm. But the way that he said it, like nothing would have taken me off the street from getting this guy. Nothing.
0: Well, and, and that's the thing that I really I think that you're you're keying into with Gil and that I am, too, is that it's a real genuine situation. Like he's yeah. he's not trying to sugarcoat it. You know, he he could have he could have I mean, he was giving me the real emotion of what he felt at that time. Mm. But what I wasn't able to put in just because it was already too long is that. He watched the the Netflix special that came out that was on The Night Stalker, and they did such a good job with it. And he was, you know, a huge part of that. Actually, exactly. that show made me want to talk to him because I was really like, this guy is cool. I would really love to interview him someday. Right. And um, anyway, he said that he didn't, you know, he just participated. But when the the producer was like, hey, do you want us to send you cuts? He's like, nope, nope. I just want to watch it when it comes out. And he sat down with his wife and he's watching it and he was crying and he was laughing and he just loved it. And then at the end of it, he looked to his wife and said, I am so sorry. And he mm. was crying as he told me, because I think that now 30 years later, however many years later, you know, he's got a few more years under his belt and he probably realizes like, yeah, You know,
1: he was an absent absentee dad for a while.
0: You were holding down the fort. Your work was just as important as mine, you know, because, you know, when you have kids and you're the wife or you're the the other person, the partner at home, like it is so stressful. It is like he was under stress and he was seeing it from that perspective. And I think watching that show really gave him the, the insight that he didn't have before to kind of be self-aware and see it in a different way. And so I think that, um, I felt like that was really powerful. That's really you know?
1: interesting. Wow, to look back on that and to and to get a new perspective. You know, I'm sure he knew it at the time that the time he was putting in, um, mm-hmm. and obviously that that situation with his daughter crying that that stuck in his mind. You know, but I guess just to see it from kind of a thirty thousand foot view, thirty five years later, like oh wow, I maybe could have been home a little bit more. You know, because you don't well, get the and time I- back.
0: I don't think that the 80s was the Mad Men era, but I think mm-hmm. it definitely was like closer to the, the uh, Mad Men era than it is today. And yeah. I think oh, yeah. the, as you smile and like, no, yeah. no, 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 defi- it,
1: the world. no, 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 <laughs> I'm just saying like technically, yes, 80s, you know, 20 years removed from the Mad Men era and 35 years removed from now. So we were definitely yeah. closer to that mm-hmm. mentality right? Into that ideology, right. into that way, you know, way of living. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so that surprised me where he was like, too bad. What I'm doing now is more important than anything. That was, that's dedication almost to the point of, of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Obsession.
0: Absolutely. And that's I mean, the
1: fucking it, kind of cop I want on a case like this, to be honest.
0: Interesting. Yeah. The way that you said that, it made me think you were kind of being a little judgy.
1: I'm super judgy, but his problems are his own. Get this guy off the street.
0: <laughs> help me,
1: help me. Help me let your family life go to shit, but keep the streets safe. But that and and I feel and I don't feel bad at all in saying that. I actually mean it. That's what you sign I know up you for when, do. You, when you become a cop. And that's
0: what we all think. It's funny because when they're nope. broken, we don't want anything to do. Nope. With them.
1: Nope, rest them, throw we them in jail. don't
0: like them, but when the they're saving the day, they got their cape on and us. us Keeping safe. what?
1: Yep, then they're heroes. Yep. Yeah. So, um, next thing, uh, Dan Feinstein really shit the bed, huh? With the Avia 11 and a <laughs> half. So what the fuck was she doing?
0: Yeah, she did. I was actually thinking it because she just announced that she was not seeking another right. term. Yeah. And she's like 85, I think. Yeah. And like, wow, you know, this didn't really, that was kind of a speed bump in her career, but shit.
1: I know. Doesn't she have an advisor saying, hey, maybe don't <laughs> give up the easiest to get rid of piece of evidence.
0: <laughs> well, and on top of that, I was like, how selfish, because in a way she saved the lives of her people, you know, the people of San Francisco, because then he was back on a bus to to LA and he was dumping those avias, right? Yeah. so in a way you know what i'm saying like she got him out of their out of their house right
1: wow i guess and it was interesting speaking of the avias hearing Gil talk about them there are 183,000 000 pairs that came into the port of new york of those this many came to california and one pair came to los angeles county
0: right right and i and they were black so like who's wearing black sneakers right it's, yeah. it's like oh of course the a nice killer
1: stuff. yeah a murderer's wearing black sneakers. Yes, that's who. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's exactly right. right. I
0: know.
1: Yeah, and there was there was some language that Gil used that I really liked that aged him in such a beautiful way when he was yeah. talking about a cousin, right? And he said he used to caper with Richard, right? <laughs> yeah. It's that's an old school fucking gumshoe, right? Who right. Who, who refers to crimes as capers. Right? right, and
0: that's it's funny because as I was putting the script together, and I was like, "What did he do? Burgle?" Like I'm trying.
1: To- <laughs> right, and and to use caper <laughs> like, as a verb, like, too, to use I it as know. a verb. Yeah, it, it was great. So it doesn't
0: he roll with... off. It doesn't yeah. roll off, and I was like, I should have used caper." But then, of course, Brandon would give me shit about it. So I, I love put- the word I- caper.
1: <laughs> caper is one of my favorite words when referring to crime. I love it. I love the word caper, and and I'd never hear heard it used as a verb before. Um, <laughs> So that was really interesting. Um. All right. And the last couple of the, all right. Hy- Hybristophilia.
0: Yes. Right. Uh, yes. I knew well, we were going to get to that one.
1: I did. And what is that again? Explain it to us.
0: It's basically when, and it mostly uh, from this, whatever article that I had gotten it from Um, mostly it's mostly women and we're sexually attracted to basically criminals and the person believes that oh well they did all this stuff to other people but I can save them and they would never do that to me. Right, right. They right?
1: See, they say like oh I can fix this guy.
0: All right we've yeah. all
1: had we've all had lovers that they you know look at us as a work in progress and think that they could fix us like I've had nothing but that in my life. I've right.
0: Never had that
1: I've never had that. Yeah we, you've dated a guy that you thought you could fix I'm sure.
0: I'm saying the the reverse I think it's like I've never heard of a guy who's like Yeah. I'm going to fix her. I'm going to fix her.
1: Uh, You know? Yeah. That's a, that's a specific kind of narcissist.
0: Maybe save her. Maybe save her. Save
1: her might be something. Yeah. Or
0: like the the damsel in distress, but not fix.
1: Right. 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 That's interesting. So hybristophilia is women who are attracted to like violent criminals. Okay. And so, and it's, out. I mean, if there's like, There are women that are attracted to police officers, only date cops, only date athletes, Mm -hmm. only date musicians, only date drummers, only date whatever, right? So I guess that's, everybody has a type. This is a real specific-
0: I I, I really don't think that you can compare- No, no, what I was just- I know, you're trying to bridge the gap here, but- But what I was going to
1: say is that this is a really weird, specific kink, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Right, for these, for showing up at his trial- Right. Yeah. Like writing them love letters and stuff. Right. Like you can see the, the human propensity for cult leaders, right. For believing in oh, cult yeah. leaders or whatever. You're right. Um, yeah. Charles Manson was like a weird looking short little kind of hairy wannabe songwriter dude, that. you know, right. who just, who that. just led who convinced people to murder, you know? And mm-hmm. so with, with, with Ramirez, can you imagine if he just like kept his shit together for a while and decided to like start a cult. You know, I mean just the the damage that that could have been, you know?
0: I just can't get past the teeth, honestly, <laughs> like Yeah. People what? like refer to him as like good-looking and I'm just like I can't get past the teeth. Like I can't see that, you know,
1: like the way that you described it and and you didn't you didn't hit us over the head with it. It was like once or twice in part 1 and again in part 2. Um, the rotting teeth, but the 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 smell of his breath that people remember, like that must have been so gnarly, <laughs> and so scary. gnarly, and right?
0: Scary,
1: like the hot rotting breath, <laughs> right? over you, covering over you. Oh.
0: I mean, it's like the whole, you, you had to feel like, I mean, he believed that he was Satan and it's like, I believe you are too. Yeah. Based I, on I get breath. it. I
1: believe it. Yeah. Cause your breath smells <laughs> like the gates <laughs> of hell just opened up. But, um, but, but Gil, Gil, you know, he, he, he it's like he boiled down all of his work into a really digestible profile of, of Richard Ramirez mm-hmm. um, when yeah. he would say it was the power that he had over, over victims If you did what he said, chances are you'd get away with your life. If -hmm. you fought back, you were done. Right. Mm -hmm. And and he liked putting a gun in people's faces to see the fear. Yeah. And that's it. And that is, I I don't know if that's is it a mental defect? I'm sure it, it has to be some kind of mental defect. Someone smarter than me would probably figure that out or is yelling at the their iPhone right now going, of course, dickhead it's like, okay, I get it. I don't have that training, but it's gotta be some kind of, he's not like a sane guy, right? He's not like a normal kind of human being. If he has these satanic kind of things going on and thinks that he's Satan himself and thinks that Jesus saved a woman and all that, he's obviously got some fucking screws loose and especially to, to, to torture and kill as many people as he did. He's obviously, um, Got some issues, but I, I'm just wondering. Um...
0: You know, you bring up a really interesting point with the idea of him as a cult leader. Mm. Like listening to some of his interviews, um, it would be interesting to to to. I mean, it's an interesting thought experiment because you know, cult leaders have to be charming, or they have to be domineering. They have to have something that that sucks people in. Right. And it sounds like with Ramirez, that just naturally happened through sound bites and him just being "Hail Satan" and then people just really vibing mm-hmm. on what he looked like and the bad boy thing and all of that. I don't know if there's actually any articulation that got people interested in him right. by what he was actually saying besides those sound bites. You know, so so I don't know. I don't know what he was like as a quote unquote normal person, like just having a conversation.
1: Yeah, and I don't think he would anybody since he was ten years old would have th- considered him to be a normal, everyday kind of guy. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it'd be interesting to know what he was like. I mean, that's a that's something I'd be interested in to know, like what was he like talking to people, just regular people. You know, could he, could he have been a cult leader instead of a serial killer? Right. Would he have been an effective one? You know, just cheering, you know. Yeah. Well,
1: listen, as we wrap this up in the, in the true spirit of the Carolyn Osorio mission, let's, I want to read off this guy's fucking resume and have it be about the victims for a second. Uh, So 13 murders, right? Mm -hmm. Five attempted murders, Mm -hmm. 11 sexual assaults, 14 burglaries.
0: Yeah,
1: And that's what he went down for. And he got a million fucking life sentences and died of liver failure in jail. Yeah. And somewhere, Gil threw a fucking party, as he should have.
0: I'm surprised you're not getting more. I mean, I loved watching him get his ass kicked. Like, I didn't actually see it, but like seeing him in the back of the police car and then I listened to these interviews with the people that were like on the streets um after it had happened on hubbard street where they went down and they were just like so i mean they were calling him the devil and just like you know just went after him him hitting him with
1: pipes hitting him with pipes and pieces of metal and all that yeah i mean that was really that was a fun sequence uh to put some music under on, on in the episode um didn't know that he was made, right? So he's on the bus, has no idea. People start seeing him. He gets wind of it and then fucking runs off and gets and gets run down and just gets the shit kicked out of him on the street. Um,
0: right.
1: Yeah. I yeah, mean, I don't was...
0: think in all of the serial killer stories that I've seen oh, or unique. covered, yeah. like that is absolutely unique. And yeah. it's like you said, it was like we needed that after this because it was just like the community street justice.
1: The community getting yeah. back, community getting its licks in, you know, yeah, and and, and that's when Gil, like I said at the beginning, Gil was like, I kind of hope that he'd that he got killed there on the street, yeah. Which, that would have talked about justice, you know, absolutely. You know what I mean? Talk about the streets.
0: That's, that's what, I'm yeah. know, so what I'm saying. Yeah, so oftentimes, like with, for example, the Green River Killer, like that guy was just such a, you know, that no, it I would have been really nice to chased his ass down in the streets of seattle and just been like hey yeah, what would that say about, about us though i know it's, it, it's again like the like you and i are both chickens when it actually comes to like somebody chasing you down you're like i'm sorry i'm sorry i messed up i messed up like yeah. we're not plenty in spirit because had because I we were we,
1: raised we were raised in a country where, where where justice and the rule of law reign supreme and you know vigilantism went out you know, a hundred and something years ago, you know, but like I was in years ago, I was in Romania for a while. Um, and, uh, and I met a lot of interesting, like Romanian nationals and people that were involved with the company. And, uh, and they told me the story of the deposed leader Ceausescu, uh, who after the Soviet union fell, um, he and his wife, uh, were publicly executed like in the fucking town square on, on live national television. And, uh, and they were like, kind of proud of it. They're like, well, he was such a monster in the way, to, and he destroyed our country and destroyed our economy and just, and communism and blah, 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 and our cultural genocide, all that shit. And I was like, eh, the public execution. I mean, that is.
0: That's next level.
1: That's next level. Like, that's not something that would ever happen here. You know, again, I guess, right? We knock on wood. You would hope that it wouldn't. Yeah, I know. It used to happen. It used to happen like a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But but so that I found that like interesting, like where they were like, yeah, and we and we got him and his wife too, and I went, okay. So that's so that that would be interesting. I think it's just a um, it's a sign of of the the health of the overall health of a society. Right, Absolutely. if we could say if we could say, yeah this person represents the worst among us but that's not what we collectively represent as a society so we're going to try you we're going to give you free legal care you know le- uh, legal advice um, we're going to house you and make sure you're cleaned up for court and all that and so we could be that kind of example to like everybody else you know but every now and then yeah Gil said it's, it a it. little it's street called the high it's called what? it's the high, high road. Road yeah it's
0: still the high road and yeah. it's the the harder road to take and it, it's painful
1: yeah you know
0: but um wow yeah
1: well uh like i said relentless kind of assault of my imagination as i'm picturing all of these crimes uh so it was well written uh well acted yeah. well acted well narrated and uh uh i really really well
0: did. and and you're an actor like everybody should know that that you (laughs) weren't you like a a stage actor for like 10 years or something
1: so for a lot hey i've got some credits on tv and film also okay it was an only stage
0: okay Okay, when i say i'm a stage
1: actor when i say i'm a stage actor that means because i wasn't getting hired for tv and film all right it's a it's a cop-out but i'm also proud of the stage work that i've done
0: well i'm proud of you too well thank
1: you well thank you so um we're gonna wrap this up like i said great job um and uh as we like to say please consider supporting the people that support our show um carolyn what do you have for us next week
0: um tbd yeah tbd (laughs) tbd hey
1: So, well, I look forward to the surprise. Uh, Until then, I hope, Carolyn, that you have a great week and that you work hard and give us another great episode.
0: Awesome. Right back at you.
1: All right. Uh, Murder Chronicles Nation, thank you for sticking with us through uh, this really uh, exciting and disturbing and important episode. Uh, Thank you. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, And uh, we hope you catch up with us next week. Until then, take care.